Welcome in listeners. It's time for another episode of the Slump Buster Fantasy Football Podcast. On today's episode, Drew and I navigate you through a week in which we have six NFL teams on by. We also discuss Christian McCaffrey and what's his long-term and short-term value following another injury. But before we do that, folks, it's time to give a shout out to our partners. Caveman Coffee Co. Caveman is a fantastic single source, single origin goodness from a company with impeccable taste and ethics. The people behind it are beautiful souls, and the coffee is delicious fuel for the never-ending quest to do better, be better, love harder, and enjoy deeper. Guys, I tell you, their Nitro Cold Brew is the perfect blend of energy and refreshment in the morning. Great way to start the day. But why stop there? They have their Mammoth Blends, which I highly encourage you getting. They have their Hibiscus Teas, which are delicious. And guys, if you use our promo code SLUMP, you get 15% off your next purchase of any of these fantastic products. CavemanCoffeeCo.com, promo code SLUMP. Guys, don't be a chump. Use promo code SLUMP and get yourself a case today. All right, y'all, it's time for the episode. Juju Talk Sports, Drew Hagenbach. Let's get it, let's bust the slump, and let's enjoy. Drew, we're gathered here on a day of mourning, not just for any man, but a very special man, fantasy superstar, Christian McCaffrey. Long may he reign as the prodigal son of the running back position, the dual threat, the thousand-yard rusher, the thousand-yard receiver. Long may he be the number one, according to everyone's rankings, Christian McCaffrey. Nigh as I walk through the valley of booms or bust, I shall fear no injury, except if that injury is to my number one drafted running back. Is my understanding, Drew, that you had a song prepared? Drew, if you could just lead us in uh, this chorus here. Am I mistaken? Do Do I have to interject here? All right. You might have to reject too. <laughs> Somewhere over the over rainbow, the rainbow. Christian, McCaffrey Christian McCaffrey is healthy. I don't know don't the know rest of this song, and I need a fat Hawaiian man to sing the rest for me. <laughs> All right. Well, that's enough of that. But on a serious note here, Christian McCaffrey. This is the first year in fantasy that I've had a legitimate opportunity to draft the man. And to say it's been disappointing has been an understatement. For the second time in about four weeks, Christian McCaffrey has been placed on the short-term IR. Scheduled return this year, so you still hold up opportunities for the playoffs there. But I think there's also the bigger possibility that if you drafted Christian McCaffrey number one overall, you may not be in the playoffs, which is I think is a precarious position to find yourself in. Obviously, took great in-season management. I have to say myself in that league in particular, I've just kind of been piecing it together with rubber bands and staples. A three and two record holds. And I'm just hoping maybe I could sneak in. Maybe I could get Christian McCaffrey back for the playoffs. But it's been a ride. So I guess the first question I got to ask you out the gate here, Drew, is next season, what is the highest draft spot you would select Christian McCaffrey? Probably back end first round, maybe second round, start of the second round. I, I He's can't, not going to fall to the second round. There's no way. And it depends on who you're drafting with and what kind of league you're in. You might see him maybe fall to like the pick of the second round, but I'd say the back end of the first. I would say bare minimum, he's probably going to be somewhere in that nine to 12 range. And then it's just going to come down to how comfortable you are because we know what the upside is, but you have to think Carolina is going to approach him a little bit differently coming off of this year. I just don't see him gain the same type of workload 
knowing that they might have to manage him a little bit more stringently. And you obviously did get a good running back in the draft this year when you drafted Chuba Hubbard and he's done well. So do you start to consider having more of a split there so you can save Christian McCaffrey for later in the year if you're the Panthers? You paid him money at the running back position, which is something we don't see too often. And now he hasn't returned that value on the contract because he hasn't been on the field. The best ability is availability. And Christian McCaffrey hasn't shown any level of stable availability for the Panthers and certainly for fantasy owners. Now let's talk about this from a dynasty perspective. You have Christian McCaffrey in dynasty. Are you trading him? And what compensation would you demand for Christian McCaffrey? If it was dynasty, I would definitely try, at least try and get something for him. And you can still maybe, again, it depends on what kind of league and the players you're playing with are you, you know you might be able to let's say they're you know decent players you know okay. let's let's assume kind of like they're knowledgeable fantasy we're not playing with any rooks here if you're listening to this podcast we assume you're not playing with any rooks yeah so you can't really trade bust anybody and you know make them fall for it but with smart people you can still get some high-end value maybe another solid player maybe a pick or two or it depends on what you demand for him because if i were him i'd probably get at least maybe like another solid maybe like a high-end low-end number one not like number one pick whatever but like a number one like a receiver running back you know try and see if you can't find one of those if not then you go for high twos or okay let's approach it this way here i'm going to throw names at you here okay. um if you are the owner gain offered christian mccaffrey deandre swift for christian mccaffrey straight up uh, i'd probably want to pick with that Najee harris christian mccaffrey again another yeah okay what about jonathan taylor jonathan taylor christian mccaffrey I would say it's fair, but in my opinion, I'd keep Jonathan Taylor. I just like the young player of high upside. Again, minimal injury. <laughs> James Robinson with Travis Etienne coming back next year. I can see that, yeah. So, you know, comparable running backs there. What about even like a quarterback? Would you even make that trade, though, I guess? A, a young quarterback with upside for a Christian McCaffrey? I guess it depends on your team construct if you're more win now. But like yeah. if I was to offer you like one of this rookie class, let's say, let's say I offer you Trey Lance for Christian McCaffrey. Are you keeping McCaffrey or are you taking Trey? For me, I would probably take Trey just so I could put him in like Depending if he gets to start for, you know, next year and if he's ready to make that next push, he could be a good young solid quarterback. But Justin Fields? Justin Fields is a little different just because of the Matt Nagy situation. If he had a different coach, I'd probably say yes because I would actually trust him a little bit more than I do now. <laughs> Mac Jones. Mac Jones, definitely. Um, I like Mac Jones. He's probably the best rookie quarterback right now. So I'd definitely say yes to Mac Jones. Zach Wilson. Definitely not. <laughs> okay, so you're taking Christian McCaffrey over Zach Wilson. Okay, and the wide receiver is a little bit more convoluted, so it's kind of hard yeah. to throw names out there. But yeah, no, it's definitely rough times if you're the run CMC owner. Um, I guess now, I don't know if you can call him run CMC. I guess he's just Christian McCaffrey until he re-earns his nickname. That's going to require him to be on the field for more than just two games in a row. A lot of injuries, a lot of notes this week. So we'll kind of go through them as we go through the respective positions here. I think another thing to note is that we have a lot of teams on bye week. So let's pull up that list here. So the following teams we have on bye week are going to be the Bills, Cowboys, Jaguars, Vikings, Steelers, and Chargers. So a lot of good fantasy assets are going to be out there. So as we go, we're going to have to also talk about some potential 
streaming options that you can throw into your lineup to kind of make up for the fact that lost value. Of course, as we start off every week, we start off with the top 12 quarterbacks on the week. Your first top overall performer comes from Monday Night Football, came up a yard shy of gaining on steam the W, but Josh Allen was the number one fantasy quarterback on the week with 353 yards, three touchdowns, and a pick, threw in 26 rushing yards on the ground, about, give or take, about 28, 29 fantasy points. So that is your top score on the week. Right behind him, Kirk Cousins, 373 yards and three touchdowns. Actually, two rushing attempts for Kirk, 16 yards on the ground. Dak Prescott in that crazy game against the Cowboys and the Patriots. Manages finishes the third overall quarterback on the week with 445 passing yards. Three touchdowns, a pick, and a fumble lost. Kyler Murray finishes at your fourth rank with 229 yards and four touchdowns. Absolutely decimating Andrew Hagenbaugh's Browns here. Uh, Mm -hmm. Matthew Stafford at five with 251 yards, four touchdowns, and an interception. Jalen Hurts, again, just consistent as they come. Didn't necessarily have a great day, I should say, but he just continues to produce fantasy-wise. 115 yards and a touchdown interception against the Buccaneers on Thursday Night Football. Added 44 yards on the ground and two rushing scores on the day. So three touchdowns altogether for Jalen Hurts. Aaron Rodgers was your seventh-ranked quarterback on the week, 195 yards and two touchdowns. Not a great day, but, you know, add in that, add in a rushing touchdown for Aaron Rodgers. 19 yards on the ground, was able to elevate him to number seven. At eight, you had Patrick Mahomes, 397 yards, two touchdowns, two picks, career high in interceptions for Patrick Mahomes to this point in the season. The passing volume in the Chiefs offense is more than enough to surpass the points lost there. Three rushes for 31 yards on the ground for Patrick Mahomes as well. Joe Burrow, I should say for Joe Burrow, he did reward us on last week's podcast when we said he would be a top 10 fantasy quarterback as... Joe Burrow finished with 271 yards, three touchdowns, an interception against the Detroit Lions. Derek Carr finishes your 10th ranked quarterback on the week despite the John Gruden situation. Derek Carr contributed 341 yards and two touchdowns for the Las Vegas Raiders. Tua Taga by Loa playing out there in London against the Jacksonville Jaguars defense. 329 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. But if you're a Dolphins fan, I think the most important thing is you came back with a loss to the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's something that doesn't sit too well with you. Teddy Bridgewater rounds out your top 12. He had 334 yards, three touchdowns, and three interceptions. Not a typical Teddy Bridgewater type day there. Also had a fumble loss, so four total turnovers on the day, but was still able to finish as a top 12 quarterback. So it tells you there wasn't a lot of great quarterback play in particular this week. Now, going back into the bye week situation, just to give some context here. So you're not going to have Josh Allen. You're not going to have Dak Prescott. No Trevor Lawrence if you're streaming him. Kirk Cousins, who finishes the number two quarterback on the week, he's out. Ben Roethlisberger, not playing this week. And no Justin Herbert, who actually had a terrible week against the Ravens. So that means that you're going to have to get a little bit more creative. Derek Carr is an option that I've seen a lot of people throw out there. Carson Wentz is playing against the Niners and their battered secondary. Now you should say the Niners are coming off a bye week. Sam Darnold against the Giants, that might be an option you potentially think about there. What is a streamer option that appeals to you. Hell, Ryan Tannehill. People gave up on Ryan Tannehill this week. They played the Chiefs. 
Yeah, I mean, I'd take a guy like Ryan Tannehill any day, especially against or a weekend defense in Kansas City. I I take a couple of the quarterbacks you mentioned, Derek Carr. I mean, Derek Carr has had a solid season so far this year, and he did very well without John Gruden his first game of the season. So I wouldn't mind taking the Derek Carr. So there's a couple there that you can definitely take. I mean, I'm sure there's Taylor Heineke still out there. I'm sure there's still a couple others. I mean, you don't need them to bust out for 60 points or you don't need them to try and be the Josh Allen or the Dak Prescott on their team. You just need them to do their job. And that's mm-hmm. just to get you to at least their average. So I like guys like Derek Carr. I like guys like Taylor Heineke. You know, I like guys, especially look at the matchups, see who's going up against a solid or an easier defense. Let's say I have Derek Carr against the Eagles. Mm-hmm. I have Daniel Jones against the Panthers and respectively Sam Darnold against the Giants, Ryan Tannehill against the Chiefs, and then Tua against the Falcons. How do you rank those QBs? I'd probably go Ryan Tannehill first with the Chiefs just because I think the Chiefs defense is one of the easier ones in the league. Um, Then I'd probably go Derek Carr just because Derek Carr has been very steady all season and he's been doing quite well even with and without Gruden. So I kind of like Derek Carr. Tua, I'm going to push towards the back end of this because I don't, I just don't trust Tua all too often. I think this is a year where Tua has to prove himself and he just really hasn't been showing too much. Uh, Daniel Jones, I'd probably put after Derek Carr. Oh, actually, no, I put Mac Jones. I forgot about Mac Jones. I put Mac Jones and then Sam Darnold and then obviously Tua. What about even Jameis Winston against the Seahawks on Monday Night Football? Probably in between. Tua and God, who do I have? Sam Darnold and Tua. So really, towards against the Seahawks defense. Yeah, it's just for me, he's just too inconsistent. Yeah, but when he goes off, he goes off, and that's what you're kind of looking for when your quarterback's on bye. If you're missing Josh Allen, you know you just kind of have to throw in a guy. You might as well throw in a hail mary. He is a boomer bust type quarterback. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if he busts, he busts. But I, I would like to a little guy with a little bit more boom potential I there. Mean, I, I mean, if he's available, go after it. Like, I might like say Jameis against the Seahawks is a little bit higher on my list than I would put like a Mac Jones against the Jets, just because what is Mac Jones' upside against the Jets? Maybe a couple touchdowns he comes down with. I can see Jameis having like three or four touchdowns there. If he has a couple picks, I'll deal yeah. with the picks. You know, we talked about Teddy Bridgewater had four turnovers and finishes the top 12 quarterback on the week. So that's fair. Yeah, that's where I would kind of come from it. And Ryan Tannehill. Uh, one thing that does concern me is Julio Jones had a hamstring injury Monday night football. AJ Brown, we've talked about his injury concerns all year. And how much can you really take away from Derrick Henry? Obviously, you want to feed him the ball. The Todd Downing offense has been so inconsistent. And then you have Tua against the Falcons. With Tua, I agree with you on Tua. I, I, I just have a hard time buying in. And you do have a benefit for the Falcons. They actually had a London bye week. The Dolphins went to London and somehow didn't get a bye week. I don't know how that works schedule-wise, but they literally have to go to another country, come all the way back after a loss, and play a Falcons team that had two weeks to prepare for this game. Regardless of how bad you think the Falcons' defense is, I think you give any team like two weeks to prepare while the other team is coming off a miserable travel. I think that that's something to think highly of. Derek Carr, though, I will agree with you on the top of the list just because the Eagles defense has just been getting worse by the day. Uh, They had the big injury to Brandon Graham earlier in the season. I think Fletcher Cox has been in and out of the lineup. 
And it's just not the same defense. Uh, those guys just haven't been able to really contain people going back to the game against Dallas on Monday Night Football when they got absolutely obliterated. How? Nah, I guess the Saints. I was going to say, even Geno Smith didn't look terrible. Doing a little bit of Russell Wilson-type things. Russell Wilson-like diet Russell Wilson, if I may. But um, if I was just to put, and this is something, someone you can't even pursue. I'm just going to say it because I just saw the matchup here. If I was going to bank on who's going to be my number one quarterback for the week, Kyler Murray against the Texans, that's a, definitely a matchup there. Oh, okay. Uh, well, you know, th- those are the options there. It's a light week with a lot of teams on by, so you're just going to miss out on some studs, and you're just going to have to throw some things into your lineup there. You mentioned Taylor Heineke. He gets the Packers just for another name to throw into that mix. Okay, let's talk about the running back position here. So at number one for the week, no surprise because he pretty much just hasn't left the number one spot in a couple weeks. Derrick Henry, 143 yards and three touchdowns, 7.2 yards per carry. He had two receptions in this game, continue to add to a career high in receptions total for the year. About 35 points, just an absolute game changer on Monday night. If you're hoping for just someone to be clutch for your fantasy team on a Monday night miracle, that was probably Derrick Henry. If you're hoping that someone didn't score 35 points on a Monday night miracle, you were hoping you weren't facing Derrick Henry in that particular case. (laughs) <laughs> At number two, again, this guy's starting heat up, faces the Niners defense this week. Jonathan Taylor, 145 yards and two touchdowns, one reception for Jonathan Taylor. He has just a favorable schedule moving forward. So Jonathan Taylor might did not leave the top five for the next few weeks. You can run on the 49ers if people are scared about that matchup. I can verify you could run on the 49ers this year. Leonard Fournette is your third rank, and I've been really impressed with how the Buccaneers have used Leonard Fournette. And that's something to really monitor because playoff Lenny has come out to play in the last couple of weeks. And it's clear that Ronald Jones, we talked about cutting him in last week. You could probably move on from Giovanni Bernard too, because it seems like they're really giving Leonard Fournette all the touches out of that backfield. Uh, he had 81 yards and two touchdowns, six receptions for 48 yards, all world tie performance, all three downs. Leonard Fournette is very involved in this Bucks offense. Despite the ankle injury, Joe Mixon here is a top four running back too. 18 attempts, 94 yards, five receptions for 59 yards, and a touchdown. Had a great touchdown, actually. Uh, Joe Mixon in the Bengals' backfield is definitely one that is a great running backfield. And right behind him, we have a couple of Daryls. We have Daryl Henderson at number five. Daryl Henderson had 21 attempts for 78 yards and a touchdown. Add in two receptions for 29 yards and a receiving touchdown. Behind him, as I mentioned, Daryl Williams of Kansas City, 62 yards and two touchdowns, three receptions, 27 yards. Daryl Williams might be one of those guys that you pick up off waiver wires and just absolutely changes your team because coming off the CEH injury, getting a guy like Daryl Williams is absolute shot in the vein for a struggling fantasy team, particularly at the running back position. At number seven, you have Najee Harris, 81 yards on the ground, six receptions for 46 yards, and a touchdown for Najee against the Seahawks on Sunday night. Delvin Cook currently had 140 yards and a touchdown in return performance, two receptions for three yards, so not very much involved in the passing game. Expect that to pick up as time progresses. Kenyon Drake, surprisingly, 34 yards and a touchdown for Drake, had two receptions for 39 yards and a touchdown. We'll see how that continues to break down between him and Josh Jacobs. Aaron Jones, 13 attempts, 76 yards, four receptions, 34 yards, and a touchdown. Speaking of backfields, it doesn't really matter who's back there. They just seem to progressively run. I know you hate Matt Nagy, but he keeps giving us fantasy-relevant running backs because Khalil Herbert, 97 yards and a touchdown, two receptions for 15 yards, finishes your 11th-ranked running back on the week. 
And again, coming back from London, you have James Robinson, 73 yards and a touchdown, three receptions, 28 yards. Uh, James Robinson actually is currently the second leading rusher in rushing touchdowns. So James Robinson has been great, but you're not going to see him this week because, again, we have a lot of teams on by. So just to run down that list, Zach Moss, Devin Singletary, both of the Bills backfield, Tony Pollard and Zeke owners, no running back this week. James Robinson, as I mentioned, he's out. Minnesota Vikings, no Delvin Cook. You just saw him come back to the top 10. You don't get Delvin Cook this week. Najee's out. And Austin Eckler will not be this week. So you add in the injuries, you add in the bye weeks. This running back position is starting to get really thin here. With that said, you have guys like Khalil Herbert, who still might be out there, even though last week we had the late scratch of Damian Williams because he got put on the COVID list. Khalil Herbert going against the Buccaneers. Is he going to be a top 24 running back in week seven? I think so. I mean, he's going to get a lot of, especially in this bad Nagy kind of offense, I think he's going to get a lot of touches, and he looked really good this past weekend. So I think he's definitely got a good chance. How does that change for you if Damian Williams is back? How do you rank those guys? I, I think Khalil Herbert is above Damian Williams just for the fact that he is coming off of the COVID uh, protocol. And Khalil Herbert, again, put up a great performance in his first game. I mean, he almost got 100 yards. So I see Matt Nagy going like, listen, this kid wasn't bad at all. And, you know, Damian Williams, he just got back from COVID protocols and stuff like that. But I'll give Damian Williams a couple carries and a couple touches, but Khalil Mag or Khalil Herbert is going to be the majority back here in this game. <laughs> that is kind of funny to think about that you have two Khalils for the Bears that are running their team there offensively and defensively. Your team is in the news when it comes to running back news here, though, Drew. Yeah. Because not only did Kareem Hunt get placed on IR, but Nick Chubb missed last week with a calf injury. So the hottest waiver wire pickup this week, Dearness Johnson. Plays on Thursday night football against the Broncos, who are top eight rushing defense. How high is Dearness going to be honestly ranked this week? I would say just outside the 24. He would have to have a performance like he did last season against the Dallas Cowboys, where he came on and had like 13, 14 carries for like 97 yards. And he would have to have a repeat performance of that. Also, too, you have to think Demetric Felton's right there as well. So it, it could be a split backfield where Demetric Felton gets a a couple carries and Demetri Felton's also great in the uh, passing game as well. So he might get some passing yards as well. So you have to think about not only is Deanna Johnson there, but you also have to think about Demetri Felton being there as well. How do you make a decision on the Baltimore backfield here? Because Latavius Murray, Devontae Freeman, and Lev Bell all scored touchdowns this week. Tyson Williams, someone that you've already cut at this point. Yeah, I mean, I believe it's between those three. I believe it's between Latavius, Le'Veon, and um, Devontae Freeman. Um, I think if I were to have to rank them, I'd probably say Latavius first, then maybe Love Bell, and then maybe Devontae Freeman. So I'd probably put Freeman ahead of Bell because Bell really? only was in there because he had a short little scamper for a touchdown. His wasn't as impressive fair. as Devontae Freeman's this past week. That's I think Devontae's gained a little bit more snaps out of the three. But between the three of them, does any of them have top 24 upside because they're all kind of taking away from each other and why they were relevant this week is because you and I and Kyle could probably run on the Chargers defense. Yeah. I mean, the Chargers have one of the worst rushing defenses in the NFL and 
like you said, all three of them are going to have to get fed. And so I think that's where they're going to keep all three of them away from the top 24, unless one of them just decides to break out and just go for a hundred yards and a touchdown or something crazy. I think that's the key, right? A touchdown is the make or break. If you're starting yeah. any of these guys and you might be in a position where you do have to start them. So I'm not going to tell people like don't own any of these particular guys. The one I'm the weakest on would again be Lev Bell, just because he's not seeing enough snaps compared to the other yeah. two. I think the lead back out of it, like you mentioned, is going to be Latavius. He's only seeing, let's see, nine attempts. Freeman had nine attempts. Lev Bell had eight attempts. So that's so even, actually. <laughs> that's kind of actually crazy. But uh, again, I was more impressed by Latavius's touchdown and Devontae's touchdown. Lev Bell's touchdown was just like, the Chargers just gave up at the goal line and weren't going to even attempt to tackle anyone there. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, we might have another week in which uh, Devontae Booker is lining up for the Giants there. Devontae finished as the 26th ranked running back on the week. Again, the Giants are going to be playing against the Panthers. How high do you have Devontae Booker ranked? I would say 27th to 30th range, just for the fact that the Carolina Panthers do have a good solid run defense. and. Devontae Booker is just a young guy who's learning and stuff like that. And I'm not saying he's bad or don't play him or stuff like that. If he's a guy you have to start, he's a guy you have to start. I mean, it's going to be a tough waiver, especially with a lot of guys out with injuries and stuff like that. So he, he's definitely probably a start if you have him and you need him. So, I mean, again, it's one of those games where, you know, he could either break out or that Carolina defense very good in the run game. So it could be a long day or a good day. <laughs> Um, so we know Chris Carson is going to be on the IR for a few weeks. Mm-hmm. Alex Collins left the Stiller game a little bit banged up as well. Which of these Seahawks running backs would you put some fab on? You have Travis Homer, you have DJ Dallas, and then you have Rashad Penny. Probably Rashad Penny would be my answer there. Now, the only thing with Rashad is he hasn't played all year. He's coming off IR. Even then, would you still trust him over Homer and Dallas? Yeah. Okay, so at least banking on that first round upside, which is still kind of crazy to think that Rashad Penny was a first rounder not too long ago. Yeah, Um, it's crazy. Let's see. Any other backfield situations here? Um, We mentioned Chuba Hubbard is probably going to be filling in for multiple weeks. You know, this one kind of interests me too, the Bengals. So we mentioned Samaj P. Ryan may have some fantasy relevance, even with Joe Mixon in the lineup. Well, that also went for Chris Evans because P. Ryan missed this week due to being placed on the COVID list himself. Mm-hmm. And Chris Evans finishes a top 19 running back while Joe Mixon, as I mentioned earlier, finished within the top five. Is it come to a point in which even the second running back in the Bengals backfield is still flex worthy? It's not crazy at all, honestly. I mean, he had a great game. And I mean, who is the Bengals uh, matchup this week? If- the Bengals matchup this week is going to be Baltimore. And while Baltimore had a day against the Chargers, I don't think anyone would really say Baltimore is a great defense. I mean, you have to remember just a couple weeks ago, Carson Wentz threw for 402 yards on them. Can you take advantage of them more through the air than the ground? I would say so, but I think Baltimore just had a great performance against a Chargers team on the road more than they had a turnaround for their defense. They've been very bend, not break throughout the year. Yeah, they've been a very subpar defense, and I think this is a defense that not only can you pass on, but if anything, you could also run on this defense as well once you get the game going. 
We know Joe Mixon is probably going to be a top 10 running back going into next week. But assuming that P. Ryan is back, how high would you rank P. Ryan? If P. Ryan is back, I could see him sneak in where Chris Evans was, probably towards the top 20. Because top 20, is, okay, that's a little bit bold. It's bold, but I mean, the Bengals have been playing extremely well, and honestly, I, I'm just ready for a surprise against the Baltimore Ravens, and I think he's going to be a part of it. Miles Sander finishes as the running back 33 on this week. Um, uh, I've had a hard time trusting Miles Sanders, and people were so high on him this year, too, and I kind of backed away from him, and I was kind of glad I was the one that kind of said, no, 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 no Miles Sanders this year. He only got 11 touches on the week. I know the previous week he had less than five touches. I just think that the Eagles just don't even really like the guy. Fun fact, too, you know, Miles Gaskin, I know there was a lot of people that were rushing to the waiver wire to pick him up after, like, I had cut him, and then he finishes the number two running back on the week last week. Miles Gaskin, his performance in London, five attempts, Nine yards, six targets, two receptions, five yards, 2.4 points. If you had Miles Gaskin, if you picked him up this week, I hope you didn't spend too much bad because you might just have to drop him again this week. Miles Gaskin is officially a bust. 100%. Put that in your books. <laughs> Put that in your <laughs> pipe and smoke it. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let's move on to wide receivers. Your number one wide receiver on the week with a walk-off touchdown against the New England Patriots is going to be C.D. Lamb. Nine receptions, 149 yards, and two touchdowns for C.D. Lamb. Also had a rushing temp, only went for two yards, but in total, 31.6 fantasy points according to half PPR scoring. Cooper Cup right behind him at wide receiver two. Nine receptions, 130 yards, and two touchdowns. Adam Thielen, 11 receptions, 126 yards, and a touchdown for wide receiver three on the week. Also had a rushing attempt. Donovan Peoples-Jones, five targets, four receptions, 101 yards, and two touchdowns. I talked about throwing a Hail Mary at players earlier. He literally (laughs) caught a Hail Mary this week. Donovan Peoples-Jones. And it's funny, too, because we were talking about should you own any Browns wide receiver last week, and then lo and behold, we have a Browns wide receiver in the top four. Actually, I should apologize to you in questioning your decision-making because Odell Beckham did finish as wide receiver 29 on the week. So you did have that. He did finish as a top 36 (laughs) wide receiver after all, if ever so lowly. Uh, Jalen Waddle finishes your fifth-ranked wide receiver in the week. Big day for the Rook. 10 receptions, 70 yards, and two touchdowns against the Jaguars. So that's good for Waddle. He's showing that he can exploit a bad matchup. He's showing that he has some sort of chemistry with Tua. If you're looking for what pieces out of this Dolphins offense can I mine for fantasy points, Jalen Waddle might have some late season production with the return of his former Alabama Crimson Tide quarterback. Antonio Brown. Once again, in your top 10, nine receptions, 93 yards, and a touchdown. Now, I know you had A.B. slightly outside of the top 12 this week. Does this change your mind for next week's rankings? It's difficult to tell because the Buccaneers just have three great wide receivers. And I think we've talked about this before where we don't even know which one's going to pop off because one week it could be Mike Evans, one week it could be Chris Godwin, one week it could be Brown. So it's so tough to tell like which one, because I feel like either way, one of them's going to be in the top 12, no matter what, I have a feeling. <laughs> so it's true, but I do bring it up because this moment, your highest ranked Bucks wide receiver heading into the week was Mike Evans at Evans. 16. So you technically had all three outside of the top 12. 
that's my biggest thing. It's just, it's so tough to tell which one's going to be the one that's going to pop off and which one's going to do very well. So this weekend, it could be Chris Godwin going for 40. Who who knows? <laughs> Number seven, we have Marvin Jones Jr. Seven receptions, 100 yards, and a touchdown against the Miami Dolphins. Cortland Sutton, eight receptions, 94 yards, and a touchdown. Stefan Diggs had his biggest day of the season. Nine receptions, 89 yards, and a touchdown, which... The fact that that's his biggest day of the season doesn't feel too good (laughs) if you're a Diggs owner there. At 10, you had DeAndre Hopkins. Only had three receptions, but at least two of them were in the end zone. So that saved your fantasy day there uh, for a low target day for DeAndre. Cole Beasley, seven receptions, 88 yards, and a touchdown. Basically, Cole Beasley, Emmanuel Sanders, they're doing a little bit of flip-flopping as far as who's going to be that second guy. And there's definitely some fantasy points to be had there at wide receiver two for the Bills, but it's going to be a guessing game week to week. I, I doubt many owners have both of those guys, but you might as well start both just because on any given week, one of them can pop off and be a top 12 wide receiver like it was Cole Beasley this week. Tyree Kill. Nine receptions, 76 yards, and a touchdown. Came into the week a little bit worse for the wear, but Tyreek Hill is, in fact, in the top 12. Now, a couple notes here for the wide receiver position. Uh, One big one is going to be regarding Michael Thomas. So Michael Thomas, if you're holding out hope on him on your season, he is on the physically able to return list or the physically scheduled to return list on, on PUP. But he reportedly won't be ready for another couple weeks. So you might not get him until week eight or week nine if you're holding out hope on Michael Thomas. What is a reasonable expectation for Michael Thomas when he does come back? What range will he be more or less ranked within? I would start out probably in the mid-30s. You just really because... don't like the Saints passing attack. Well, I don't mind it. It's just the fact that there's really no one there because, I mean, there's Marquez Callaway who really hasn't done much. But wouldn't you say that's a benefit for Michael Thomas? Well, yeah, of course. But, I mean, first game back, you don't know what it's going to be like. So I'm kind of giving the benefit of doubt, like, okay, he's coming back from a big injury. And I give him at least like a couple weeks just to get the feel back for the game and get to get him back up to speed and stuff like that. And especially to a new quarterback, too. What ceiling would you give him? The ceiling, I, I think he could be, I wouldn't say within the top 24, but I'd say just outside the top 24. So even if he comes back out with you, you're still saying he's a wide receiver three at best this season? Yeah, I would assume, I would assume so. Just because of coming back from a big injury and stuff like that, new quarterback. And so might have to get a feel for how Jameis Winston likes to throw the ball, where he likes to throw the ball and stuff like that. So, it's so just if he's kinda... a wide receiver three and you've been holding him on IR, is he worth even keeping in your IR slot? He's too talented to not have because he is a great receiver. So even though he's a wide receiver three, that doesn't mean you can't play him or keep him and stuff like that. He's still going to be productive. Let's say I'm really unfortunate. I have two IR spots. I lost Kareem Hunt and Christian McCaffrey. Michael Thomas just has to keep up room on my bench. Am I keeping him if he's a wide receiver three? At this point, if it's anything, maybe. I'm saying if this is your roster, would you even spare the space to keep Michael Thomas on your bench if you're in that situation? I believe so, just because of his talent. That's fine. As long as we're being like consistent on it. Let's talk about another wide receiver who's scheduled to return maybe as early as this week, Jarvis Landry. Jarvis mm-hmm. Landry returns instantly. Where does he rank? 
again, it's going to be outside of like the top 24 and stuff. I'm just taking account just the entire, like what's going on with the entire offense at this point. I mean, you're missing two of your starting tackles and Conklin and Wills and, you know, Baker's been getting killed because of those guys not making their blocks and stuff like that. Baker, obviously, with a shorter injury, re-injured it again uh, this past weekend on Sunday. The play calling hasn't been spectacular, so it's kind of an off-balance thing here in Cleveland. But with Jarvis Landry, I mean, him and Baker have been so good together. And if Baker does play, I could still see that happening. But because you're now going to have both OBJ and Jarvis Landry, so it kind of depends on how much Baker goes to either one. So, or does he give them both an even amount of receptions? Yeah, that is going to be something. I'm also just keeping my eyes because I, I thought Baker might've been done for the year in this last game. There was a moment no. when he went down against the Cardinals where I thought, okay, blue tent, medical tent at two times. <laughs> it looked bad there. And he is playing well, the- with a completely torn labrum at this point. Well, with that, when he was laying down and J.J. Watt was kneeling next to him, I was like, shoot, that, that guy is done. He is done for the season. He is gone. It does make me wonder, though, if worst case something does happen to Baker, how trusting the offense in the hands of Case Keenum. Just because Case Keenum, when he was a Viking, he did keep guys like Adam Thielen and Stefan Tiggs fantasy relevant prior to Kirk Cousins arriving on the scene. So could he be able to do a similar type thing where he's targeting one guy or force feeding one guy in the Browns offense? I'm not saying he's better than Baker. Don't, don't get me wrong here. Yeah, that's not what I'm coming from. <laughs> uh, but I'm wondering if like he could be better for fantasy owners than Baker because he could be force feeding guys like Odell. He could be force feeding guys like Jarvis to make them better fantasy wide receivers. Even if unfortunately that might be at the Browns detriment, my friend, because uh, this season is not looking too pretty right now with the injuries piling up for you guys. No. And I said this before, we're, we're becoming like your 49ers of last year where you guys make a deep playoff run. And then next, you know, the next season is just completely piled with injuries and everything goes to hell on a handbag. So yeah. <laughs> it's that feeling here. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, this is one that I also did kind of like raise an eyebrow at when your rankings, you sent them to me. You had Allen Robinson at 36. Now, I know on the show we talked about Allen Robinson. Was he cut worthy? And the fact that he finished is the wide receiver 46 again this week. Will you finally give up hope on Allen Robinson being a thing? Stop trying to make Allen Robinson a thing, Drew. It's not happening this year. It's I'm done making him a thing. For some reason, I overthought it. And I was just like, for some reason, I'm going to put this guy off my list. And then next, you know, he's going to go for like 25 points and just shut me up. And he's going to be within the top 12 for the first time in his career in this uh, season. I'm like, God damn it. Of course, I should have had him in my rankings. But again, he comes off in the mid 40s. And I'm like, all right, I have to do this. I have to, no matter what, I was like, I know you go gut feelings, but sometimes your gut's completely wrong. (laughs) I mean, you, you look at like the wide receiver two, wide receiver three range. There's so many guys that I would have ahead of Allen Robinson at this point. Yeah. Like Allen Robinson or Tim Patrick. Definitely Tim Patrick. Allen Robinson or Sterling Shepard. Sterling Shepard. Allen Robinson or Jacoby Myers? Yeah, no, I'm just kidding, Jacoby Myers. <laughs> you know, uh, hell, it, you look at it, continue going down the list. It's like Allen Robinson or Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins. Yeah, Boyd and Higgins. I There's so point, many I'm wide going... receivers in that range that are just playing at a much higher level than Allen Robinson is. 
And who knows, he might come back this week and shut us up, but I have to see it first before I'm even putting any faith in Allen Robinson. As I was going to say, I, I would have to see a great performance before I can even reconsider him for anything. <laughs> Hell, even in the Bears locker room, Darnell Mooney, five receptions, 45 yards, and a touchdown finishes wide receiver 20 this week. Darnell Mooney is playing better than Allen Robinson. And that sucks for him because this is a contract year. This is a franchise tag year. How do you, what do we take all of the Cardinals wide receivers, Christian Kirk, uh, Rondell Moore? I would take all of them over. Allen yeah. Robinson at this point. So I, oh, I think yeah, there's 100%. very little debate there at, going into it. Is Tyrod Boyd startable right now with Higgins back in the lineup? Because I'm a Boyd owner and I felt this. He, uh, I think, had two catches this week and only got targeted like three times against Detroit. Now they are going against that Baltimore offense and we, or that Baltimore defense. And we did say that Baltimore, you could beat them in the air. Would you roll Tyrod oh. Boyd out there as a wide receiver three against Baltimore? I would have a hard time saying so just for the fact that a lot of those targets are going straight towards Jamar Chase and the, and the T Higgins. And so, I mean, Tyler Boyd did have a huge game against Jacksonville. He had a monster game against Jacksonville, but Same again, Jackson. Jacksonville. <laughs> and that, and that should be noted too. T Higgins was out of the lineup. I'm saying since yeah. T Higgins has returned, he's practically think, been unstartable. I, yeah. He's, I, I'd still say he's unstartable at this point. Yeah. I, I think that sucks. Yes. Tyler Boyd owner. I, I bought into Tyler Boyd in a lot of leagues because he's always just been that consistent PPR threat. And just when Higgins yeah. is in the lineup, it just doesn't seem like Burrow's looking at him. He's always looking at Higgins or Chase, which mind you aren't bad options. If you're the young Bengals quarterback to be able to target those guys, but gives Tyler Boyd some love. He's good. He is really good. He's just not seeing the target love. Uh, what about this one here? I'll throw out to you. Chase Claypool. So Chase Claypool, you've been pretty consistent on putting him higher than uh, Deontay Johnson. However, last week, and in fact, the last two weeks, Claypool has just been a non-factor. This is also considering he's on bye week. And so he's unstartable this week by virtue of being on bye week, people. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> moving forward, uh, Deontay over Claypool rest of the season. It's starting to look that way. And the reason why I kept having Claypool over Deontay Johnson is because for a lot of the time, I thought that Ben Roethlisberger's favorite target was Chase Claypool because going into the year last year, when he started getting the balls to Claypool, he started liking him a lot more and a lot more and a lot more. And that was like the one guy he was definitely targeting. And it started to look like that at the beginning of this year. But the more I realized Ben's getting, you know, a lot older, his arms a lot more broken than ever. (laughs) Chase Claypool is one of those guys who's a great deep ball threat and can win one-on-one matchups deep. And Deontay Johnson reminds me so much of a guy like a Michael Thomas who does a lot of slants in the middle or to the outside and, you know, gives you those, you know, easy yardages. And so I would definitely have to take Deontay just because he gets you those 10-yard catches and stuff like that, gets the small yardage plays, and then he makes them count. Uh, Like I did with the other positions, I think it's important to mention all the wide receivers that are on by. This is a very impactful week at the wide receiver position. Mm -hmm. But the Bills, no Stephon Diggs, no Emmanuel Sanders, no Cole Beasley. Cowboys, no Amari, no C.D. Lamb. Jaguars, no LaVisca Chanel or Jonathan Agnew. So I'm missing out there. Uh, The Vikings, (laughs) though, uh, (laughs) no Justin Jefferson, no Adam Thielen. And no K.J. Osborne, who actually finishes the 14th wide receiver on the week. Uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, 
obviously no Deontay, no Chase. Chargers, no Mike Williams, no Keenan Allen. This is going to be one of those struggle bus type weeks at the wide receiver position. I'm very intrigued to see kind of how your rankings maneuver all these guys that are on bye week because a lot of these guys are top 24 type players that will be, be adding and out of the lineup. So yeah, you're going to see a lot of weird names in your top 36. So good luck to you, my friend, when you go through rankings. Um, let's look at tight ends <laughs> real quick. Let's talk about with the bye week. So let's talk about tight ends that you won't see. So Dawson Knox actually broke his hand. So you won't see him for a while, even regardless of the bye week. <laughs> Dallas Cowboys, so obviously uh, Schultz, Jarwin, both of those guys are out. The Jaguars, if you picked up Dan Arnold, maybe a good person to just holster for a while, but um, mm-hmm. with how bad the tight end position has been, but Dan Arnold currently out of the lineup. Tyler Conklin with the Vikings. Steelers, I guess Pat Fryermuth is probably their top tight end at the moment. And the Chargers, I mean, Jared Cook has been fantasy usable, so not having him out there could potentially be one of those things uh, that hurts you streaming-wise. At this point, if you're picking up a tight end to fill in for the bye week, you're really just throwing darts at the wall and just seeing what sticks. Uh, just a quick note here, your top finishing tight end on the week is going to be Noah Fant, nine receptions, 97 yards, and a touchdown. And I would say Mike Gesicki had a really good day with Tua coming back, um, eight receptions, 115 yards. So Mike Gesicki over the last three weeks has been a thing. So I expect that to continue. Again, Gronk has been out. OJ Howard finishes the top four tight end on the week. Ricky Sills-Jones filled in nicely for the Washington football team with 58 yards and a touchdown, finishes the tight end six. Zach Ertz, that's big news at the tight end position too. He is now a Cardinal. So I am curious to see how the Cardinals utilize him. And then Dallas Goddard too, how he's utilized without Zach Ertz. Who do you think rest the season finishes higher, Zach Ertz or Dallas Goddard? Ooh, that's going to be a tough one. I would probably say Dallas Goddard. Okay, so you think that Jalen Hurts is going to be able to utilize him a little bit more. I can agree with you, kind of like your logic there, because the Cardinals, tons of mouths to feed in the receiving game. We've seen it impact a guy like DeAndre Hopkins. I think it could definitely impact a guy who's on the back burner of his career like Zach Ertz. Uh, but I, I do think that he's going to be a good piece for that Cardinals offense. I think that oh, yeah, is 100%. a great pickup by them. Yeah. So let's move into DSTs for the week. Let's talk about some DSTs. So again, you're not going to have the Bills DST this week. You're not going to have the Cowboys DST this week. You weren't starting the Jaguars. You probably weren't starting the Vikings. The Steelers DST is gone and the Chargers DST are gone. So some good options DST wise that were potentially out there. Now, some options that you're going to probably want to look for on the waiver wire, if they are still available, the Cardinals against the Texans. That has to be your top waiver priority, I think. Yeah. Tyra Taylor is coming back. It's probably going to be a little bit of boring offense, not a lot of turnovers, but I think that they can take advantage of the Houston Texans offense line. Patriots against the Jets is probably going to be my second waiver wire priority heading into it. Do I think Mm -hmm. the Raiders are a good defense against the Eagles? Uh, It's probably close, but if you're scrounging for a defense, I don't hate it. I mean, the Falcons, I was going to say the Falcons Dolphins might be a potential one, but the Falcons did have two weeks to prepare for this game. I don't trust Miami's defense. They haven't really been good this year. Maybe even the Panthers against the Giants. Yeah. Just maybe hope that Daniel Jones has a turnover game. By the way, you know, praising Daniel Jones for not turning the ball over decides to have four turnovers against the Rams. I guess it's the Rams, but it is kind of funny. I kind of wonder if that shot he took in the Dallas game had something to do with that one. But uh, 
Yeah, so those are some streamable defenses there. Any others that you'd like to throw out there? Um, who is your prop priority? Do you agree with me on that sentiment? Oh, 100% it's got to be the Cardinals. I mean, they came off a big game against the Cleveland Browns, and I, I think against Houston Texans, they can definitely utilize that weak offensive line and get quite a bit of sacks. Yeah, exactly. That wraps it up. I, I think that covers all bases for things to keep in mind and things to pay attention to this week. Uh, hopefully you aren't impacted too strongly by the bye week situation like I think a lot of other people are. If you're trying to get ahead of the bye week, I should also mention week eight isn't nearly as bad. Week eight actually only has two teams on bye, so the Ravens and the Raiders. So if you're the Lamar Jackson owner, maybe this is a week for you to pick up a quarterback with a premier matchup next week. All right, that wraps it up, guys. If you're watching this on YouTube, of course, leave a like on this video. Comment below your memories of CMC, your fond memories of CMC as we go through this time of morning. Throwing back on my sunglasses for this one here. Leave a five-star review for us if you're listening to this on Apple iTunes. And check out our partner, CavemanCoffeeCo.com. Yes, don't be a chump. Use promo code slump at CavemanCoffeeCo.com for some delicious cold brew coffee from CavemanCoffeeCo.com. From Juju Talk Sports, from Andrew Hagenbaugh, and the Slim Buster Media team, you stay safe, happy, and healthy. We'll see you on the next one.